Yeah, so I wanted to get started early uh, because I have an uh, assignment. I kind of pull from my wife's little homework thing. It's good to have interaction. And then after the assignment, we're going to kind of do an open forum and uh, go from there. Let's get Genesis 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And I want to talk from the subject, faith to leave. Faith to leave. We're going to talk about Abraham just for a minute. In Matthew 10, verse number 34, Jesus says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Talking about Abraham. Hebrews, when we go through the heroes of faith, Abraham is about the second or third one mentioned in Hebrews 11 and 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now the key in that scripture is that it tells us that he reached the promised land. But once he got there, he felt like a stranger in it. God had promised him the blessing, and then when he received the blessing, he didn't embrace the blessing as his own, but he looked for something greater. We have to know God's will for our life. The Bible says in Ephesians, Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we might know what the hope of his calling is. The hope of his calling is the reason God called me. So we need to know the purpose of the calling. Proverbs says, in all I get and get an understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. So our obedience to God's will affects other people's lives. Like Paul and Silas, when they were in the prison, we talked about that. That when they praised God, not only were their bands loose, but everybody in the prison was loose from their bands. Stephen picks up Abraham's experience. And he says, and I believe it's Acts chapter 7, when he gives the history of Israel. God spoke to Abraham before he settled in Haran with his father, Terah. And we're going to talk about the words Terah, Haran, and we're going to go through some different names and what they mean. First of all, when God tells you to leave your father's house, we are not to bring the priest of that house with us. Tira's house was a house of idolatry because Tira served other gods. Let's get Joshua 24. 
and this goes along with earlier what Natalie was talking about with us being able to deal with the reason, the season, or the lifetime. I think it was T.D. Jakes that adopted the spirit of goodbye. He got the gift of goodbye. When it's time for certain ones to go, you, you've gotten what you need to receive, and it's time to move on. But in Joshua 24, verse number 2, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Now it is believed that Terah not, was not just an idolater, but that he was actually in the market of making idols. He was the one that created the idols. This is Abraham's father. Yet we find him inherent. God talked to, a to Abram before this 12th chapter that we started with. This is the first time that we hear about the call. But notice how he says it again in Genesis 12. Now the Lord had said. This is beforehand. So Abraham, no doubt, was sidetracked and got off of his path with God. Because he left Ur of Chaldees. Stephen says that God came to Abraham in Ur. But here we find God calling Abraham in Haran. What happened? If we go at, back up to chapter 11, verse number 31, says, Then Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and left Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But they stopped instead at the city of Haran and settled there. And there Terah died at the age of 205. All right, so from Ur to Haran to Canaan. God called him from Ur to go to Canaan. The Bible tells us that Abraham went from Ur to Haran, but he tells us that Terah left Ur to go to Canaan. God didn't call Terah. He called Abraham. So why is Terah the one taking Abraham to Canaan? When it was Abraham who God spoke to. Don't allow people to take over your calling. Abraham's father took Abraham's calling and made it his own. It was not his calling. God called Abraham out of his entire family, kindred, tongue, nation. But his father took over the calling. And Abraham followed his father. The word Terah, Abraham's father's name, it means wanderer or to loiter or it means station. Well, to wander means to move about without a fixed course. No goal, no aim. It means to go idly about or to follow a winding course or to go astray. To loiter means to delay on activity with idle stops and pauses. To remain in an area for no obvious reason or to lag behind. And this is what Abraham was following. The word station means the place or position in which something or someone stands or is assigned to stand or remain. A regular stopping place in a transportation route. The word Haran, the city that they stopped at. It means parched, mountaineer, or a caravan route. It is apparent to us that the call was given to Abram and not to Terah by the fact that as soon as Terah died, God spoke a second time to Abraham. We know because of this, that Terah was the only reason that Abram was in Haran. If it had not been for his father, he wouldn't have lost five years. 
He lost five years in herring because he allowed somebody else to adopt his calling. See, sometimes you got to be careful of who you tell what God is telling you to do. Some folk get jealous. Before you know it, they, they telling folk that God's calling them to do the same thing. This is what, what Tira did. There's two aspects to Abram's call, and to the two calls, there are corresponding promises to each. There's two calls in here, and then three responses to each call. The first call, or the first command, is to get out. His leaving started a chain reaction. If he would respond to God's command to get out, to leave, then God promised three things. He would make him a great nation. Then he would be a blessing for Abram. And then he would make his name great. After that, his second calling was to be a blessing. He had to be a blessing so that God would do three more things. If Abraham would stand up and be the blessing that God called him to be, God would in turn bless those that bless him curse those who mistreated him, and thirdly and finally, he would bless the families of the earth through him. And we know that Jesus Christ became the means by which this took place through Abram and will be the only means for the world to be blessed through us. Christ has to be the ultimate goal in our life. Notice that it is through us and not by us that the families of the earth will be blessed. It was through him, not by him. So this all happened. Actually, God has promised him all this. He hasn't even changed Abram's name yet. He's still Abram. He's not Abraham yet. The word Abram means high or exalted father. But Abraham, when it's later changed, means father of a multitude. Jesus had to be exalted or lifted up first he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, then I'll draw all men. That's the multitude. First comes the exaltation, and then comes the multitude. We have to be able to see ourselves as God sees us. When he created us, he created us in his image after his likeness. If we can't have enough faith in God's word to believe that I'm created in the image of God Almighty, then I will never think that I'm exalted by him. I will live in a basement for the rest of my life. This is the mindset that we're so constantly fighting against, that I'm not worthy and God doesn't love me. And, and, and it's almost we take on the doctrine of the agnostics, that God exists, but he wouldn't be uh, affiliated with a peasant like me. So in order for exaltation to exist, there must be a basement. Paul picks this up in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Then he goes on at the first verse of the, sec of the next chapter, and says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. But we have to do the separation. God does not separate you. He calls you to be separate. He says we're called into a holy calling. That holy calling is a separation. You've got to have the faith to leave the area that you're so comfortable with in your life. The area that feeds you and nourishes you and you know that's home base you know you can always lean back on it to find sympathy to find pity or, or just to, to hide in it 
And a lot of us in our families, we, we just we just soaking and hide and basking the, the secrets, the six secrets that we have, all the things that we're supposed to be hush-hush about. We, we, we allow that to just take all of our character and individuality away. And we almost become walking dead. You have to be your own individual person when God calls you to something. We got an opposition for the things that we do. But when God is in it, you can't fight against it. And it, it takes, as I was saying last night, one of my things is, is fear of failure and the fear of rejection. I have a deep issue with that. And so throughout life, I have, if I felt threatened by something that, and I felt that I was called to do something or I had the gift to do something, a lot of times I would just sit back, you know, take the back seat, and I wouldn't do anything because I, I, all I know was I'm going to fail. And if you're going to fail, why even try? <laughs> if you know nobody's going to want you, why even put yourself out there? Because you're going to be rejected in the end. You set your mindset up for that. Abraham had to operate in his exalted calling before he would make him the father of the multitude. Many of us have basked in and received and enjoyed certain blessings from God. But we have a twofold calling here. Number one is to get out. And the second one is to be a blessing. Some of us want to be a blessing without getting out. But getting out is the key. You have to separate yourself. God's desire is to break any and every influence outside of himself for our lives. This is what he's doing with Abraham. Many of our influences come from all the places that Abraham was to separate himself from. He called him out of three things. Number one, leave your country. This deals with the earth and represents the world or the wilderness, the area, the neighborhood. Some people refuse to get out of certain neighborhoods because that's where they, they feel the most at home. Although it's not good for them. They know it's not good for them to stay in that neighborhood. But they have to stay there because that's where my family is. That's where my friends are. So he says, leave your country. Next, leave your kindred or your kind. Now, this deals with nativity, lineage, or family, but it also deals with those that are of the same kind. Those who you have flocked to, they say birds of feathers flock together. So you find people, like she said, when you don't feel worthy, you find people that treat you in that way. That becomes your kind. That becomes your kindred. You have to leave that. Next, he says, leave your father's house. This is all the things that we're indoctrinated with and taught from our families. Me personally, I have a very thuggish family. And if God hadn't called and I didn't answer God's call, I'd be selling drugs in jail or somewhere right now, without a doubt, if not dead. Grew up eight, nine years old, sneaking to, to outdoor rave parties with, and folks shooting, bullets flying past my ear. Want to go hang out with the lowriders, ride through and drink and smoke. So I know that I, if, if it had not been for God calling me and my answering and obedience to him, I know where I would be today. So these were the areas from which Abraham would have to struggle to separate himself. It's not easy because actually, in actuality, Abraham was born here. He was raised here. This is all he knew. He knew nothing else. Not only that, but God said, I'm not going, I'm going to call, I'm telling you to leave your family, leave your kindred, leave your country, leave your father's house and come somewhere. Where is somewhere? That's like me saying, okay, I need you to go get something. Just walk out the door. 
Just walk out the door, take the elevator, go down the lobby, and just start walking toward the main street. I haven't told you anything. If I were to tell somebody that, they would think you were nuts. And he said, I'm not going to even, he didn't promise to give Abraham the land. He said, leave your father, your house, your cousins, all them, and go to a land that I'm going to show you. He brought Abraham out just to show him something. And Abraham didn't even know when he was going to show it to him. Not that I'm going to give you the land, but a land that I will show you. So we've got to leave Haran. Jacob, like his grandfather, remember we talked about Jacob last time and 20 years after Bethel, he ended up wrestling with the angel. Guess where he was stuck for 20 years? Haran, same place as his grandfather. Laban lived in Haran. That's where he got his two wives from and had 11 children with him. So you had two wives and 11 sons, all with the mentality of wandering. Look at the escalation. If you don't break the curse that has been passed down to your family, then you're, you might have a later generation that suffers way more than you. Abraham was stuck for five years, but Jacob was stuck for 20, fourfold. Remember, our praise, our calling, our worship is connected to other folks. When God calls us, he calls us to produce. This is the principle of creation. We went over it last time. The principle of creation says that when I create something, I then give it an instruction to produce after its kind. And whether you know it or not, we do produce after our kind. It takes an assertive effort to break the mold in some families. We were at the dinner table and talking about my wife. My wife didn't know some of the whoopings I got as a kid. But it, it was passed down through the ages from slavery. It doesn't have to necessarily produce results, but I heard a story of a, a woman who baked a ham. It was the best ham that she ever baked. But she would always cut the ends of the ham off. <laughs> so she said, well, why, honey, why you, why you do that? Said, I, my mother did it. She taught me how to cook it, so I, I cut the ends off. I said, well, let's call your mother. Mom, you know, we, we want to know why, you know, we, you, you guys cut the end of your ham off. Well, my mother taught me how to do it, so I always cut my end off. I said, well, let's call Grandma. They called Grandma and said, Grandma, you know, we just want to know why we cut the ends of, of the thing off. He said, I cut the ends off because my pot was too small for the ham. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the recipe. She made it to fit in the pot. But because nobody stopped to ask why we do what we do, it was passed down from generation to generation. I thank God for our generation because we are one of the first generations to stand up and ask why. In a lot of stuff. Our generation, I know folks talk about the, the, the psychologist generation and all this stuff, but folks got tired of the secrets. They got tired of wondering why am I doing this and mama don't explain nothing and all we ever get was a because I said so. It, don't ask me why. You don't ask me why. When the Bible says in all of thy getting, get an understanding. And if you have an understanding, Paul says if any man asks you of the hope that lies within you, you should have a reasonable answer. Reasonable. Reason. Intellect. That means you should be able to break it down and not just quote. Well, the Bible says you must be born again. 
Well, what does that mean? So we must expound on scriptures to get to the why and the how and the when and the where. So we become stuck in heron. I'm getting to a place in my life where I am just now leaving heron because I, I, I follow other people's callings. We talked about the vine. Every branch must be connected to the vine, but yet we try so hard to get to draw our source of life from other branches. Branches are not built to give life to other branches. Each branch must be individually placed and connected to the vine itself. So we're stuck in heron, wandering, no place to go, just walking in circles. And we're supposed to be the fulfillment of Israel's calling, but yet we find ourselves in a deeper wilderness than they were. It's a deeper wilderness because I have the Holy Ghost and I'm still lost. I still have no understanding of who God is. I still don't know the hope of his calling. We don't get it. When we focus on hell and, and, and that's all we can say that we're, we're escaping the tribulation and we're escaping. That is not the big picture. But it is the relationship. And we've got to choose our relationship. Either we're going to choose to stay connected to all of the curse in our families, in our surroundings, in our country, or we could choose to leave to get out and never to return. So Jacob was stuck there for 20 years. Now we know that Jacob had 11 sons before he wrestled with the angel. The 12th son, the final son. Remember, Abraham had a promise. He says, I will give you plenty of offspring if you do what I tell you to do. Benjamin was Jacob's only son that was not born in Haran. He was the only son that was not born in the wandering place, in the place where there's no profit, it's stale, it's stagnant, there's no growth. Now, Haran lies between Nineveh and Syria. Nineveh was the place of great idolatry. They served the moon god, they served the fish god. And Syria was a place that traded all of these idols. That's where Haran is. But Benjamin was born between Bethel and Bethlehem. On the other side of the brook. Now Benjamin's mother Rachel, she died during childbirth, birthing Benjamin. But before she gave up the ghost, she named him. She named him Benoni or Benoni. And that means he's the son of my sorrow or the son of my pain. Something rose up in Jacob. Now, Jacob's changed now. His name has been changed. Since his name's been changed, God has now given him the power to change other people's names. He changes his son's names from the son of my sorrow or the son of my pain, Benoni, and he changes it to Benjamin. He overrides the wife. Even though the wife has gone through great struggle and great pain, this is the son that is changing the history around for the entire family. The last son. And then he names him Benjamin. Benjamin means the son of my right hand or the son of the south. His birth signified that Jacob was going from exalted to multitudes. Son of the south. Let's get Genesis 12 and 9. The Bible says that all of the promises in God are yea and amen. Now it's up to you to study the promises and to embrace them by faith. If you don't know the promises, you're not going to embrace the promises. You don't know what you, you have the right to. You have the right to claim certain promises here on earth. We think that all the rewards are in heaven. We get the crowns and all this stuff. But he says in this life, 
we get a hundredfold. We get excited about the hereafter, but I want the hundredfold. Why can't I claim that and embrace it and own it and live in it, walk in it right now? We have a slavery mentality. Genesis 12 and 9, he's the son, Benjamin is the son of the south. And Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the what? Benjamin was the fulfillment of Abraham's journey. This is the son that completed the number 12 for the children of Israel. Where's the promise? Abraham only left his country. There were two things that he didn't leave. He brought his kindred and he brought his father's house. Now God called him out of Ur, then out of Haran after the death of Terah. But he still hadn't left his kindred. Okay, y'all follow me? He left the country. He left the vicinity of Ur. In other words, I know how to wear the right thing now. But there's two other things. It's, it's a threefold leaving. I know how to look churchy. I, know, I, I, don't, I don't dress like I used to dress. I don't talk like I used to talk. Looked at my hands and they looked new. Looked at my feet and they did too. But Tira was his father's house. He brought that. He left the country but brought the father's house. Then when the father's house died, he was still stuck with the kindred. Because Lot was still with him. God called Abram. He didn't call Tira. He didn't call Lot. Tira was the one said, Abraham, Sarai, Lot, y'all come with me. We're going to follow Abraham's dream. And I'm going to lead you into it. Somebody that doesn't have your calling can't lead you into victory. That's why there's no sense in defending yourself and what God is calling you to do to everybody. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Just walk in it. Just obey. Lot was still a hindrance to the promise of God even after Terah died. It wasn't until Abraham was separated from Lot that God showed him the promised land. Remember, God is faithful to his word. If we go back and we read, God told him in the beginning everything to do. Get out of your country, kindred, and father's house into a land that I will show you. I will make your name, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And then after I make your name great, you are to be a blessing. You are to pass it along. There's a movie called Pay It Forward. Then after you pay it forward, then there's some other things I'm going to do. Look how long it took for Abraham to even see the promised land. He could have received all this almost instantaneous. If he would have said, no, daddy, this is not your thing. Some of us need to learn to say no to our families. Some of us need to learn to say no to our mother and our father with respect Respectfully, no. But that's hard to do when you're still that five-year-old girl or boy trying to earn daddy and mommy's love. You do anything to please if it's a yes to your own detriment. In Genesis 13 and 14, it says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, After Lot was separated from him. Now lift up your eyes. See, as soon as God, Abraham completed what God told him to do, as soon as the separate, that last separation of the three took place, immediately God showed him what he was to do. <laughs> Called him out of Ur by himself. Basically him and his wife because him and Sarai were one. But he brought his father and he brought Lot. Tira died. God speaks again. 
See, he's the God of a second chance, and he will keep reiterating his plan to you until you get it because he is not going to allow you to mess up his plan. He will not let you go. He can't leave nor forsake you because the word went out of his mouth already and it will not return void. It will not return unaccomplished. So we got to stop sabotaging our own victory. You are your worst enemy. She said earlier, God is trying to, the salvation thing is about being saved from yourself. He defeated the devil at, at Calvary. We're in him before the foundation of the world. The question is, when are you going to get to the place where your intellect gets it? Where your mind gets it? So he says, as soon as he was separated from Lot, the Lord said, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land that you see, to thee will I give it, and to your seed forever. Now the word seed is important because this deals with the future. You have to break ties with the past in order to embrace the future. Especially when your past is full of mess, chaos, wrong people, wrong crowd, grabbers. A lot of us came from a household of grabbers, hill catchers. But now he wants to give him seed. Now the thing about seed is, and this will help us in our witnessing, we were talking about witnessing earlier. He said, if a seed, unless a seed is dropped into the ground and dies, it can't bring forth anything. So that means the seed that I disperse I have to consider it dead first before God will raise it up. This speaks of us totally giving it to God. We can't give it to him and keep a, a pinky hold on it. You can't stay connected to it. You have to let it go. Release everything from it and give it to God. Allow it to die. says, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Then he told him, get up and walk through the land. So he's gone from not knowing anywhere where he's going to now seeing the land. And then once he sees the land, he's able to walk. Where there is no vision the people perish. His seed would die out. What you see, you got to learn to walk in. Because faith without works is what? Dead. We say all the time what we believe. We can believe a whole lot of stuff. But until you actually walk in that belief, you're not doing anything. The thought for this message, the faith to leave, came when we were talking about spousal abuse and how we promote in religion that you just got to have faith that God's going to change that man. You, you got to have st and stick by his side. That's, that's, that's your husband. And that, but some people stick around because it's a, it's a security. Some people stick around for the money. Some people stick around because that's, if all the attention I could get is negative attention, it's better than no attention at all. So we create this entire cycle and we become wanderers. We become heronites, just wandering, deserted, separated from our true self, separated from our true call, separated from God, from the person who God really created us to be. And it takes, to me, no faith at all to stay there and take that abuse. But to say that I know that God has something better for me because I know that God loves me enough to take me out of this situation and give me something else. 
That takes faith. It takes faith to leave in most situations. So he says, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it. For I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar for the Lord. We were talking about altars last night, that altars were not stagnant. There was no one central altar that they had to go to. Even with Jacob, he, he told Jacob after he changed his name, now every time I appear to you, I want you to build an altar in the place where I appear to you. You've got to build a place of sacrifice. Every time God appears to you, there's something to sacrifice. There's something to slay. There is something to kill. This is no longer the, the, the altar of Bethel or the altar of when I got the Holy Ghost or the altar when I got out of the altar of when I came out the wilderness. There's a new altar. We realize that a lot of us, why didn't we realize so much of this relationship thing with God before? But the time is now. And now it's time to build the altar and to sacrifice what you need to sacrifice. Kill what you need to kill. Slay what you need to slay. Leave what you need to leave. Get out of what you need to get out of. But I don't know where God has taken me. Neither did Abraham. Well, he, I, 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 need, I need to see a little bit first. <laughs> Faith is a substance of things hoped for. No, don't go too fast. What is the word substance? That is something tangible, something that is there. It's attainable. And we're taught that faith is invisible and you can't see faith. But faith is a substance. It has meat to it. It has purpose to it. It has a goal to it. And then it's evidence. How can you have evidence of something that's not seen? What does that really mean? It's the evidence of things not seen. The evidence is something we know. The court system is something that you bring forth that is seeable, that is knowable, that you present. What are you presenting? I'm simply obeying. I'm going to leave. So I have a little assignment that we're going to do. As we prepare for this treat, I have so many different thoughts in my head. And... Um, the faith to leave was one of the first ones. Then I would say, oh, I'm going to deal with the, the, the spots and the wrinkles. And then I read the scriptures, and she, she said last night, there are no spots and wrinkles for us to get rid of. He presents the church without spot and wrinkle. He does not call the church to be ready without spot and wrinkle. It's all about his presentation and not about your doing. The scripture says, he will present the church unto himself without spot and wrinkle. It did not say he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. Jude said, now unto him that is able to present you faultless. He didn't say that you had to be faultless. He said he presents you faultless. Abraham was justified by faith alone before circumcision. And then I, 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 have, I had a fascination with, I've dealt with a lot of death in my life. And in the hospitals, they have a cold, a creed. They have to do their best to attempt to save anybody. If somebody comes into that ER and they're already dead, they still have to take certain measurements to give a, a last effort and a last attempt to save that life. They could have been dead at the scene. They could have died in the ambulance. But when they, they're going to keep on working until they get to the place. Because the people at the scene can't call the time of death. And the people in the ambulance can't call the time of death. It has to be the certified regiment doctor that calls the time of death. 
God wants us to call the time of death for Tira. The thing that has delayed us from entering to our promised land. God wants you to take it off of life support and call the time. Six fourteen, time of death, eighteen fourteen. Some of y'all looking at me. Y'all ready to call some stuff dead? It is time to call the time of death. And you have people that are in the emergency room, nurses who who they something comes upon them, they can't stop. And the doctor's saying, call it. I think I could get them back. I think I could get them back. Call it. No, I, I, think I, I think I hear something. Call it. Has Tira died? Because as soon as Tira dies, God's going to give you a second chance. If Lot is still around, as soon as Lot is separated, as soon as you leave Lot, God's going to show you a vision. You have to call the time of death. Some people have, when they go into the hospital, some people have signed on their paper DNR. That in the case that I, that I give up the ghost, do not resuscitate. Don't even attempt to save my life. This is the, you have to put DNR on your Tira and your lot. You got to let Tira die and let Lot go. You have to have faith to leave. Call the time. From the first season, I've always liked the show called Real World. I missed a few seasons along the way, but, uh, but the concept of the first season grabbed my attention, and I've always been a fan of the show since then that you could throw seven folk together from all different walks, all different backgrounds, and throw them in a house together and give them common goals and, and common responsibilities and see how they work it out. But my heart was touched with the last season in Hollywood, especially with Joey. And Joey had an addiction problem, an alcohol problem. And from day one, it was an issue for him. He battled and they started drinking and all this stuff. He ended up leaving the show because he fell back into, into his drunkenness and so many things. And you can almost see in his eyes the pain and the talks of suicide. But before he left the show, he sat down all the other roommates and he read them this letter. And this is after one night where he came home drunk and then came home and started downing more alcohol and more. And then he started lashing out at the other roommates, but he blacked out. He didn't know what he was doing. So they became frightened. And then the, the producers of the show had to approach him and say, we can work this out. You can stay on the show, but you're going to need to go to rehab and get yourself together, and you can come back if you want. And then when he went to rehab, he came back out. But then as soon as he got back, he said, it's this house. It's this Hollywood setting. It's, it's this, this new country that I've adopted that I need to separate myself from. So he sat him down and said, before I leave, I want to read you this letter. And when they kept saying it's a farewell or goodbye letter, I thought he was telling the roommates goodbye. But listen to what he says. He sits him down and he says, drugs and alcohol have been in my life since I was a kid because my father was an alcoholic and my mother was a cocaine addict and still is. The first drug I've ever tried was in a box steroid when I was 19 years old and I ballooned into a five foot nine, 250 pound monster. When I was 22 years old, a lot of my friends were doing cocaine. One day at a hotel party I threw, a friend of mine pulled me to the side and said, Joey, you wanna try one? I won't tell anyone, I promise. So I tried it and I discovered at the time why everyone liked it. I started using alcohol and cocaine on a daily basis. I would get off work, pick up a huge bottle of liquor and drink it, on, drink it all on a 30 minute ride home. 
When I entered my house, I demanded everyone to find me cocaine, and the cycle repeated for two months until I got fired from my job for stealing merchandise off the shelf and selling it to support my cocaine habit. Being depressed that I lost my job, I tried to hang myself in my basement, and my friend saved my life. The MTV's Real World contacted me about being on the show. To me, that was the light, the hope and the rescue I've been looking for. Now he's looking for hope and rescue. Then along comes his Tira, MTV's Real World. They adopted his hope and real world and say, this is an opportunity for you. I stopped drinking and cocaine used totally I arrived to Los Angeles and said to myself, I finally made it. We started to party every night and sometimes I declined offers until one night I decided to go out with my newfound friends. I started the night off with a couple of Long Islands. Then owners, promoters, and producers of movies invited me over to their table. With me wanting to become an actor and big celebrity, I could not refuse. The night got out of hand as I drank Grey Goose vodka and snorted some of the best cocaine I've ever snorted. When I arrived back at the house, I began to drink heavily and tried to fall asleep. Instead, I blacked out and threatened everyone in the house. After the rage subsided, the producers approached me with an option to go to rehab, and it was an offer I couldn't refuse. Then he says, this is my goodbye letter. The letter was addressed to cocaine and alcohol. I am saying goodbye to you because you have done nothing but trick me and backstab me into believing you were my friend and something I could turn to. But instead, you made me lose my family, my friends, my money, job, self-esteem, and almost my life. You are selfish and you wanted me all to yourself, and you took everything I had and took it away from me and smiled because you knew you had me. All the dreams I had, you turned into nightmares. But one last thing before I kick your sorry tail out of my life for the last time, what are you gonna do when the 12 steps run wild on you? And if you could, some of y'all saw that episode. The agony. Was it powerful? I actually just, I started crying. Unbelievable. So we're going to break. And whatever your Tira is, I want you to write a letter to it. Write your goodbye letter. We're going to call it. Write the obituary of your Tira.